Good morning to Sri Sri Radhakalachanji Dam, to all of the assembled devotees, always those that are seen with the material eyes and those that are unseen, except of course if you're using your spiritual eyes, you'll see them. We are reading or continuing to read from Canto 1, Chapter 11, Text 18, and this is all processing the experience of Lord Krishna returning to Dwarka. And as you'll hear me say many times when we're reading the scriptures, thank you so much. When you hear me reading the scriptures, don't be surprised that from time to time I will always talk about the lessons and the experiences that are in the scriptures. They are there. Every single passage in the scripture is a lesson to be learned from. And that's how I approach most of the time. That's how I approach the scriptures. Everyone has their own mood and their own energy. But I think it's really important when you're reading the scriptures to find the message or the lesson behind it. But, of course, before we enter into reading from the scriptures, we like to honor the relationship that Lord Krishna has not only with Radharani but with every single devotee. Whether they admit to being a devotee in the process or a devotee that has taken diksha by singing Jaya Radha Madhava. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava
जय राधारी जय गोपी जन वल्लभारी जय गोपी जन वल्लभारी यशोरानंदन ब्रज चरानंदन यशोरानंदन ब्रज चरानंदन यमुनतीरावनचारी हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 Remember that there's a very nice key group 
Hare Krishna. Of devotees that really bring an impact to each dham. And it's always good to see that number rising. Those that take to the dham, the importance of the dham, and the importance of their position in the dham and what they have to offer. Very important. So, text 18. Again, covering Lord Krishna's entrance into Dwarka. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Bhagavate. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Oh, Papa has brought sun. That's a good thing. It's, might as well start them early in listening to uh, Krishna Kata. Haribo. I'm looking. Those eyes are interested. I hope Mataji can give you something to take away. Hopefully. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Text. Oh, could you find, could you get that text and just put it, uh, just change the... Um, the signs. Varandram Purakshkrita Brahmana Sasumangalai Senka Turiya Ninandina Brahma Goshena Chadrita Pradiya Jajmu Rata Rishta Pranayagat Sadivasaha Vararindram Purushkrita Brahmana Isasumangale, Senka Turiya Ninandina, Brahma Goshena Chadrita, Prayujajmurate Rishtaha, Pranaya Gat Sadavasaha, Varendram Puruskrita, Brahmana Isasumangale, Senka Turiya Ninandina, Brahma Goshena Chadrita, Prayujajmurate Jagnu Rata Rishtaha Pranayagat Saravashaha. So, the, um, oh, if you want to repeat, feel free to do so. Varindram Praskuta. Ramanisa Sumangala Sankha Turiya Ninandina Ramagoshina Chandrita Radiyujakmurate Rishta Pranayagata Sadavasaha Varana Indram, elephants on the auspicious mission. Puraskrita, putting in the front. Brahmanai, by the Brahmanas. Sasumangalai, with all auspicious signs. Shankaha, conch shell. Turiya. Bugle, Nanandina, 
by the sound of Brahmagoshana, by chanting the hymns of the Vedas, Cha and Adrita, glorified Prati towards Ujamaha, proceeded hurriedly. Ratahi on the chariots, Rishtaha in cheerfulness, Pranayagat saturated with affection, Sariyavashaha all respectful. And the translation here is they hasten toward the Lord on chariots and Brahmanas bearing flowers. Before them were elephants, emblems of good fortune, conch shells, and bugles were sounded, and Vedic hymns were chanted. Thus they offered their respects, which were saturated with affection. Report here. The Vedic way of receiving a great personality creates an atmosphere of respect, which is saturated with affection and veneration for the person received. The auspicious atmosphere of such a reception depends on the paraphernalia described above including conch shells, flowers, incense, decorated elephants, and the qualified brahmanas reciting verses from the Vedic literatures. Such a program of reception is full of sincerity on the part of both the receiver and the received. Again, with the translation, they hastened toward the Lord on chariots with brahmanas bearing flowers. Before them were elephants, emblems of good fortune. Conch shells and bugles were sounded, and Vedic hymns were chanted. Thus they offered their respects, which were saturated with affection. So when I read this text, and I think it's always good when you listen to a text, fine, listen to it, but don't let it go. Think about what that text just said. And every single one of us is going to have a different curve on the essence of, well, the def definition of what we've heard. As long as we're keeping the essence of the topic, that's important. But the point I'm making here is that in this particular text, it reminds me of how we honor those highly elevated individuals, and they still exist in this world. I also think of the times when devotees and even strangers that to uh, the Lord temporarily come into this temple. I'm amazed at how many strangers that, well, let's say devotees that have not taken diksha, how much reverence they give the altar, the Lord's altar. And they stand there in awe of it. 
And I wonder sometimes if devotees have seen and been in the presence of the Lord so much that it's a common experience. It should never be treated as a common experience. Common in such a way that, ah, no big deal. Lord's there, I've seen him done. We should have a special feeling of energy when we enter the Dom. Each temple, you can consider a Dom. When you enter into the presence of a guru, when you enter into the presence of a highly elevated individual, how can you tell the energy changes in the room? When gurus come here, it should never be a surprise to feel something different in the air when they are in your presence. And as a matter of fact, I would have to sum it by saying whatever you feel, it should be very positive. The mood that is expressed here in text 18 describes a very sincere love that the residents of Dwarka had for Krishna because they had developed a love and affection for him And to such a degree that while he was away, they were distraught. They were, maybe we could say a little depressed, but saddened. Actually, we should feel that way when we're not in the association of bona fide devotees. When we're not in the association of those that are taking seriously, those that are taking seriously Krishna consciousness. We should be enlivened with an energy. When gurus come, when Srila Prabhupada was in Detroit from uh, just the readings in some of his books, they had a makeshift temple on the east side of Detroit, and I remember seeing a picture of Srila Prabhupada walking out from a vehicle and going into the building, and I noticed all of these They all look like hippies. They were throwing flowers down in his pathway, and I'd never seen that before, and I thought he had to be someone really, really special. At least it added an air of importance to who he was. And later, I discovered that devotees will do that from time to time with their guru. Sometimes we can lose the taste and the method in which we honor gurus, but when you have someone that you highly respect, that's whose character is unquestionable, not to say everyone is perfect, because we're not, but when you're in the presence of an individual like that, gurus are as good as being in the presence of the Lord, but they are not God. They That is the main thing. Srila Prabhupada never allowed anyone to consider him like God. But the wise mind understood that he was a very exceptional individual. What I also noticed, just being mm, experiencing teachings from uh, His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami, my guru, is that his mood was... (laughs) His mood was always such that if he ever went somewhere and 
he was not available at Gita Nagri, and we had a visiting guru there. These were his instructions. And it was a very, I would say it's a highly elevated instruction, considering what people go through. He felt that in the presence of his godbrothers, whenever they were around, they were to be treated even better than he was treated. And that says a lot, because that says, regardless, no matter what, treat them accordingly to the respect that they, would, they should receive. Give them things that, um, that they like. Fix the favorite uh, prashadam. Give them as much spiritual comfort. The long story short is treat them almost like you would treat the Lord. There are some things that devotees still do, such as throwing down the flowers in front of guru or bathing their feet. That's still done. Um, some frown upon it because they feel that there are not so many that deserve it, but there's still a lot of Prabhupada and Prabhupada's disciples um, who passed away in their um, disciples have come to the point where they can be elevated in such a manner. The point is we should relish the association in the temple. We should relish coming into a temple and actually knowing that we have seen the Lord because when you walked in here, you saw the Lord in his many magnificent forms. You saw the Lord. Something warm, should, you should be feeling something warm in the heart, like this is an experience that is rare, and I should really respect it. I should honor it. And because of the experience that you're having, you should want to be more like a reflection, or at least in the mode of goodness, as you should feel when you walk into a temple. What affects that energy the mood of the individuals, um, and to go one step further, the mood of those that are in leadership, that have a position in a dom, their mood can trickle down and have an effect or an impact on the dom. How do you imagine that when you go into Vrindavan dom, there is something about going in, and I went there before they fixed the streets and made them uh, drivable when there were just pebbles on the ground. I went there, and just walking into the gate of the temple, you had this urge to just bow down because there was something very special and reverential about the atmosphere. And when you go into the temple, you have devotees that are welcoming you, that are not judging you. They're just accepting you in the mood of a devotee accepting another devotee's presence. That I felt in Vrindavan Dam the first time I went there. Um, Mayapur Dam, absolutely magnificent. And I went after the um, installation of the Panchatattva. Well, actually, during the installation of the Panchatattva, I was there, 2004. And when you walk in and you see the Panchatattva standing in the temple room, 
It is such an honor. It is such a mood of this is special. I should be getting something from this energy. I should sit for a while and enjoy it. We have a tremendous impact on the mood of the Doms. Whatever our strengths are, we should use those strengths to make our Doms, the Doms, very special. And the first time I came to the Dom, what really had an impact on me, believe it or not, was Nityananda Prabhu and Manjuali. Didn't know anybody here, but my son had been here, had visited the temple a couple of times, and he suggested that at least I get to know who the head of the temple was, because I guess in the long run, my son saw me here in the Dom, even though I didn't. But what Nityananda Prabhu and Amanjuali did was they sat and we talked for a while. And the special thing that they did, I, it was right before I was going to take a flight, um, they fixed a plate of prasadam for me. And I remember that. I remember how special that was that they took the time out. They had never met me before. They assumed I was a good devotee. I guess they did because they provided prasadam for me. That makes a difference. When people come into the temple, we have to be careful how to address them, Jai, how to treat them. Yes, we are in an area where there are quite a few homeless, quite a few, and some of those that are homeless, um, their mannerisms are maybe not the most perfect, um, and we have to develop a way on how to communicate when we communicate with them, especially if we're not allowing prashadam to be taken from here, and that's especially in the morning, the afternoon, because mainly it's only enough prashadam that's cooked for the residents of the Doms, those that are living immediately in the area. And it's no offense to anyone, but there's a way to say no, or there's a way to turn someone away. We have to have the goodness and the mode of goodness in our heart that when we tell someone this is not available to you or maybe right now at this time in your condition, uh, your presence is going to hamper your experience here, there's a way to say it. We have to learn how to talk to each other. And I don't know if this is Krishna's arrangement, but in most temples that I know, well, let's just say the two main temples that I've spent time in, um, one, two, three, no, three, Itanagri, uh, Detroit temple, and this temple. I always get a, a comment. I don't know why people come to me. It must be a reason. There has to be, because it happens in most doms. They'll come to me and they'll tell me about the terrible experience a person has had coming into the temple to take prasadam. Now, generally, I am not there to see how that person is welcomed. I know there's more than one side to a story, but I hear more about how we offend people when we turn them away. Whatever we're doing, however, we're welcoming people. However, we're politely denying certain, certain things in the temple. We have to do it in a mood of love because that person remembers how you treated them 
And above all, anything else, you never know who these souls are that are coming through the temple doors. We never know who these souls are. And we should be very careful how we treat them and how we talk to them. When I look on the altar and uh, when I look at our parampara, I look at Gorkashur Das Babaji and I think, if I had seen him, I probably would not have given him in my unintelligent uh, mood. I would probably not have given him the respects that he deserved just based on his appearance. That was me in my very immature stage in Krishna consciousness. What we don't realize is that we are constantly tested, especially when you have had the knowledge of the scriptures that there are lessons and there are tests in everything that we do. You use the lessons that are in the scriptures and chances are you'll make it through the next day and the next day and the next day after that. But understand, how we preach is based upon how we treat others. And there's like a golden rule in, in the uh, bona fide religions. It's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You would never want to offend someone because it's like a boomerang effect. Whatever you do, it's coming back to you in some form or another, whether it's positive or not so positive. So we should watch ourselves. We should be very careful in how we treat others. And it doesn't mean that you have to be um, a, a soft touch, a, a, um, someone that doesn't seem to have a backbone. You can have the strongest backbone but not come across as someone that's aggressive. There is a strength in spirituality. And if you have a very keen heart and a keen eye, you'll see the strength in individuals, in devotees especially. And we should be able to do that by now. We should be able to, those that have been in the movement for a while or those that have been around devotees for a while, we should be able to look at individuals with our hearts and see their hearts and not their faces and the conditions in which they have been dressed. That is so important because you have to remember around us, it is an illusion. And I say it's an illusion because we don't really see each other for who we are. We see mm, size, we see cultures, we see and hear their beliefs, and we automatically tag them. As a devotee, and I'm becoming to under, I'm coming to understand this more and more. As a devotee, when we come to individuals, or when individuals come to us, in their seeking knowledge. Our main purpose is not to, if, especially if they have a religion, not to uh, convert them. It's to get them to practice their religion more sincerely. And maybe in the past it scared a lot of people because they would think, oh, if you go to the devotees or the Hare Krishna temple, uh, they're going to cut your hair. They're going to... Um, keep you from having uh, uh, sexual contact. So many negatives because we were giving off negative vibrations and some of the energy. 
Our responsibility right now and during any conflict, and even when the conflict isn't obvious, is to show that there is a love of God. That at some point we have received a love of God and we should be giving it back. If you do not, after having been around devotees and in the doms, if you are not feeling that, something's wrong. You should feel some type of relationship with the Lord because each and every one of us has an individual relationship, totally different from the next person. We have an individual relationship with the Lord. And if we're fortunate enough to have the relationship that the residents of Dwarka had, we will miss the association of the Lord whenever we walk away from his presence Whenever we walk away from devotees that are in the mood of goodness, that are on the devotional path, we should kind of miss them a little bit. There should be some urge in our heart that we want to be around people like this. That's who we're supposed to be. We should be, people should be gravitating in a sense toward us because we remind them of love. And that is what ultimately God's message is. He loves each and every one of us, and we should forgive as many times as he forgives. We should look for the good in each one, each person that walks through that door. We should be looking for the good in them. Not so much sizing them up and saying, oh, this person will fit. Nope, that person won't fit. That's not in the mood of conscious, uh, Krishna consciousness. Another thing that will affect the Dom is and I've heard this repeatedly, so go with me on it. How the Dom treats women, the elderly, and the children. You will see a Dom faltering and suffering because one of those areas have been breached. You've not, something has been done that was not proper in respect to those three areas. I mean, of course, other devotees are important too, but you're looking at those that are considered weak and those that have the strength of consciousness and spirituality should have such an energy coming from them that those three groups should feel comfortable. They should feel safe within the area of the Dom. Now that may come back to bite me as far as the comments that come after this, but it is very important how we behave in the Dom. It is very important the message that we give individuals when we are familiar with a particular Dom. It is also important that if you find something in a particular Dom that changes your mood of love and affection, don't be afraid to speak out. No one, no one should follow and accept anything blindly especially if you are genuinely feeling that it's not right, we should speak up more often. But when you speak up, don't make it necessarily an argument in the process. We can speak nice words. We can question things. It's okay. How did Srila Prabhupada get to that position? No, we're not Srila Prabhupada, but it was a very strong, bold personality. And when we see something that is not necessarily devotional or proper behavior in Adam, we should be able to say something to someone in a position to change that situation. 
there should never be any fear of uh, reprisal or any fear whatsoever when you see something in a particular dom, especially if you are residing there. Find a way to express it. Because what's worse than being the participant of a situation that's not proper is sitting in or being in the area where something offensive has taken place and we don't do anything. Then we're just as responsible as the party that does the offensive deed, whatever it is. The main point that I am getting from text 18 is how we treat personalities how we develop a love for Krishna, especially when you develop that love for Krishna in such a way that when you are away from the energy of the Dham or away from the Lord, not that you're ever completely away because he's always in the heart, but in the presence of the temple, in the presence of the Lord, we should have a desire to have some relationship with them we should have a feeling of love and affection being there. And we should kind of miss the Lord when we walk outside the temple. We are, I won't say responsible for it, but it is important that we understand the relationship that we have. And it's not denied to anyone. Each and every one of us can have that loving relationship, the type of loving relationship that the residents of Dwarka had for Krishna. He must have taken some time to establish relationships with each and every one of them in his own magnificent way to the point where they felt so loved that when he walked out of their lives temporarily, they were dejected, they were despondent, they were, actually they were hurting in the absence of the Lord. That's how we should have. That's the feeling that we should have when we're away from Krishna consciousness, when we're away from devotees that emanate that energy of Krishna consciousness, the mood of goodness, the mood of the Lord. Develop that relationship with the Lord. It is not impossible it is our right to have that relationship with the Lord. And when you understand how it feels, it is our responsibility to give it and to share it with someone else. Because ultimately, the whole process of Krishna consciousness is understanding our constitutional positions. We were not really, we were never separated in the spiritual, in the, uh, Krishna Loka. We all got along regardless we all had the spiritual eyes to see that we were all alike and we loved each other and we tolerated each other. But when you come into the material atmosphere, we will and we can become contaminated. Our visions and our feelings for one another. That is why whenever you have the opportunity, chant. Even if it is not your most sincere chant, chant, eventually it will become sincere. Take shelter of an individual or some individuals in a dom that are going on the path, that are in the path of proper devotional service, that are in a mood of love. 
that are honoring Krishna consciousness properly. Find that association. If you don't have it, pray to Krishna. He will send you exactly who you need when you need it. Read from the scriptures. Perfect time now when some of us are working from home. Perfect time to read from the scriptures. And whenever we have the rare opportunity, because I understand uh, very soon uh, His Holiness Giri Raj will be coming to the Dham, take advantage of his association. And he's a, he's a, a very, um, very kind devotee, very firm uh, spiritual master. But there are things, there are lessons in his scriptures that if we take time out, we can get something from it. I don't know how many days he'll be speaking, but pretty much every day that he's here, he probably has some lecture going on. Take advantage of these. These are the backbones of establishing a relationship with the Lord. It is not impossible. So at some point in time, this lesson that's in scriptures, that's in text 18, how the devotees are feeling, how they're honoring someone in a highly elevated position, how they're treating the Lord, we should feel comfortable to doing that with those that come across our paths. We should not think, oh, this person is not old enough to get my respect, or this person said something that I don't agree with. You're not going to agree with everyone. But learn how to deal with individuals. We are not all perfect. We are all in the process of taking this humongous bath, this humongous shower, and purifying ourselves. So look at people and individuals that way. Yes, they're having some issues with their personality. If you feel strong enough and you know someone well enough, talk to them. You know, maybe they don't realize it. I remember doing that with an individual, and it was most difficult to put the words tactfully because I had let it get to a point where it was frustration. So I had to knock it down a couple of notches, you know, as far as the mood, and actually speak to this person and say, I'm having some issues with my perception. I don't know how I put it, but I put it in such a way that it was palatable for the individual. For the individual, And I was totally shocked with their response. It was like, oh, did I do, you know, like the, who is that character on TV? Did I do that? Am I like that? I can't remember who that was. Urkel. Yes, Urkel. Sometimes they don't realize they're doing it, and they've done it for so long, and people have just ignored it, that they accept it as a common practice of theirs. Sometimes we have to pull each other's collar to certain, um, for lack of a better word, offenses that they're making. Don't be afraid to speak up. Use Srila Prabhupada as an example. We cannot duplicate him, but we can follow his steps. Find a guru that you respect and have the same, uh, you're developing some mood of um, association or affection for them. Take their guidance. It's very important to find a spiritual master. It's very important to find a spiritual master and take diksha. That's like uh, an extra guard that we're having uh, 
that Krishna gives us while we're here on this material planet. We always have backup, no matter what's going on in our lives. Find someone that you can talk to that expresses Krishna Kata, not someone that every time you talk to them, they're complaining about someone or they're being offensive to someone. That doesn't help us at all. So at some point in our times, at time before we leave our bodies, we should feel this loving as translation 18 or text 18 tells us that the residents of Dwarka felt. They wanted to honor Krishna in the highest way possible. No, we're not always able to have the, the animals in, around, but we can treat these personalities respectfully when they come into our community. Treat the personalities that are in our community respectful, that are honoring the process of devotional service. Find a proper way to treat those that are not exactly honoring it, but be respectful of them because maybe their process of cleanliness is taking them a little bit longer than the average person. But all of this is a test to see how well we do when we're in the spiritual world. Because there will be different personalities, but we're to be in a mood that, oh, you can let, you can allow that personality to be with that individual and still have a connection or an affection for them. We are just on a long journey of a long test. And the key thing is, one of the key things is to drop the ego. Don't be so concerned with what everybody thinks about you. Know that you have this relationship with the Lord, no matter what anyone else says, and you go with it. If you need instructions, you know the requirements, chanting, reading, association, listening to lectures, and having the ability to communicate with one person in the Dham or some person is following Krishna consciousness, even if they're not in the Dham. But it's very important right now for us to have someone to communicate with, someone to talk to, someone to share our issues with, because we'd be surprised at how many people are having the same issue. So I'll end at that point. Does anyone have any comments or anything you want to share before we, oh, before we end? Any experiences? Any insight into maybe how you deal with controversy in the Dom? Or things that may not seem proper that are happening and that are going on? It's important to find the right voice to speak up. Not that there's always going to be something to complain about, but communication is very important in the Dom. Communication, um, transparency with some issues. Some are not ready to be transparent, but eventually there should be transparency in matters in the Dom. So, no comments, no sharing. I'm very grateful. Oh, yes, Prabhu. We need a mic because we need to hear whatever you're saying. And I know I saw it. No, we want to hear your voice. <laughs> it was on the altar, and I thought the battery was good. Unless they can hear you speak from this mic, and that's the best thing I'm doing. I'm actually aiming the mic 
and I know there are devotees that are going to say later, we couldn't hear what he said, but how about I repeat it? We have the, oh, is, we do have the mic. Oh, good. Please introduce yourself again because you've been around here for a while. I'm insignificant. I know you're huh? on. I just heard that thump. Yeah. Oh, it is. Sorry. Um, well, first, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate all your your wisdom and your insight and your guidance. Um, what about the What about the mic? I hear him thumping, so what's what's happening there? The thump is loud, but the voice is... Oh, okay, okay, hold on just a second, because whatever you've got to say is important. But it's really good, even before they fix the mic, it's good. Is it? Is it on? Okay. Volume's up. Hello? Good morning. Ah! Good morning. Haribo. Hare Krishna. First, I'd like to say thank you. I appreciate your your wisdom and your insight and your guidance and your time and energy to to share with us and lead us into understanding more of uh, Bhagavatam and Prabhupada's purports. Mm. Uh, my name is Nico, and I'm visiting yes. from El Paso. And yes, I have been coming here. I've been blessed so so much to to be able to. Uh, to embrace this community and mm. um, take shelter um, from the devotees here. Mm. Um, my question was, you're speaking about communication, and it seems like a constant um, learning experience to communicate with different people, mm-hmm. learning how to communicate or um, what to say, not just what to say, but how to say it. And I was wondering if you could share in how um, we can, you know, further educate and exercise how to do that. That's, that's, a, that's a very good, very good question. It also seems like a lot of times some people are more comfortable to go into someone else instead of that individual that yes. they're having that experience with and talking to them about it instead of talking to that actual person. Exactly. And exactly. that also starts other exactly. you know, um, issues and things. And um, point. also when you confide in somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and I think sometimes people do want to help. They might not know how to help. Mm-hmm. You might go to someone and be comfortable with them they might not be comfortable with telling that person what they should hear, they need to hear. They might go to someone else that they're comfortable with in saying that, and then yeah. that starts something else as well. So I was just kind of, you know, you mentioned being in different doms and having... Um, Good points on experience. So I was just curious to know if you could, uh, if there's anything you could share in your experiences hmm. or kind of help us in that direction. Let's see. I guess I shouldn't share the points where... Maybe I spoke before my brain was in gear. You know how you speak, and it's just, you don't really think about it. But um, one of the experiences, well, actually, one of the experiences that I had here, um, with the, uh, in the Pujari room, a lot of lessons are in that Pujari room, a lot of lessons, and wherever you're doing service, 
there is a lesson. There is something to talk about. But um, uh, an individual that I really didn't know well was actually having a really bad day. I didn't realize that they were having a really bad life. I didn't know the person. But all of a sudden, um, I don't even think there was anything that I did that initiated it. I think I just spoke or said something. And they went totally off. When I say off, they lost it because... I could not recognize them as the same person. I just looked at them and thank Krishna that I took the time to look at them and not respond immediately because if I had responded immediately, I'd have to take all that back and I don't like taking things back, which is why I don't talk a lot. I think a lot first before it comes out. But there was something in me that said, look at this individual and try to look into the heart and see why is this person speaking like this to you. And automatically, I don't know if it's because I was doing service, I don't know if my guru was having mercy on me, I don't know if it was a lesson Krishna was giving me, but I responded to that individual with um, concern and a little affection. It's like, you know what, I am sorry that you are having such a bad day or such a bad night. I don't know what it was I did, but my apologies. And it was almost as good as a slap in the face because it was like someone had tossed cold water in their face, and it made them think about how they were responding. And all of a sudden, they were so humble. And to this day, they cannot do enough to make sure that I know that they did not mean to respond to me that way. It's not always that easy. It doesn't always happen that easy. But before you respond to anybody, especially if there is some degree of conflict, step back from the situation. Look at what you did first, and then look at the situation. Always look at yourself first, just to make sure you dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and you came properly to the, the conversation, however it happened. Understand that when you are practicing devotional service, even if you're not perfect, if you're in a scenario where you're not comfortable with speaking to that person, after you've stepped back to think about it, ask Krishna for guidance. Ask Guru for guidance. And I... I don't know if it's proper to say I promise you, but I can tell you from experience, every time that I've been in that situation, Krishna has been there to help me in some way that I never saw coming. Whatever it is, we still need to pray. We still need to pray to Krishna on anything and everything. We should be in an atmosphere in the temples to be able to talk to those that are in management, to those that are in different areas of management, if it's in maintenance, if it's in fixing, uh, cooking prashadam, um, whatever it is, we should be able to speak to anyone on any level because we are, after all, one big family and we all have the same father. So why should it be difficult for me to talk to my brother, my sister, my aunt, my uncle, my 
grandfather personality, there shouldn't be any difficulty. Work to the point where you have got an understanding with an individual that you need to address a problem with. Get an understanding, get a proper, get some instructions if necessary from someone that you trust in the temple, in the community, and ask them for some insight on how to approach a situation, but you approach it calmly. You don't approach it when you're angry because everything that comes out has an impact. It's like the boomerang effect. And even if you are a dedicate, a really good devotee, even the best of us, can have moments when the wrong things slip out of our mouth. So you've got instructions. Analyze whatever it is. Is it big enough to take it to that individual and address the issue? Is it having an impact on your Krishna consciousness? Is it having an impact on someone else's and they're maybe afraid to speak up? Yeah, I do that. Sometimes I'll do that for people, and I know they're having difficulty. And sometimes I should just step back and let them go through the learning process, but we're all not like that all the time. Whatever situation you come across and you find it difficult to address it or communicate, pray first. Ask Krishna. And in the line, in the process of your doing that, he will send you someone or tell you something that will help you overcome that conversation or have that conversation in a very effective way. There should be nobody on earth. There should be nobody that comes in the proximity of this temple that we cannot talk to. Otherwise, they're here for the wrong reason. If you were talking to someone who's modus operandi is just to be angry all the time and to be vindictive, then you probably want to back away from that personality because they probably are not in the mood to learn anything. If you have to interact with that personality, find a third party or a go-between person. There are some personalities that are just going to be demonic. And unfortunately, you'll find them in religious atmospheres. You find people that come into that community for that purpose. So you've got to be careful about who you're seeing. And you see them better with your spiritual eye when your satna is good. Reading, chanting, proper association, listening to lectures, taking, offering your prashadam, Trying your best to get up early. It's not easy. I don't think it's ever been easy. For me, it's never been easy. I'm not going to lie. But I try my best. But try to behave in the mood of a devotee because there are benefits to it. It strengthens you in so many ways. I've probably overstepped that question, but I hope somewhere in there I answered you. It's yeah, That was perfect. Thank you. Is there a particular situation that you want us to address publicly? No, no, not these. These questions aren't um, from me. Actually, not like individual things. I'm I'm asking just because, just being in different communities, of course, and, of course, experiences throughout my life, and mm -hmm. hearing from from you know family members and friends. Um, my next question was going to be: um, I've always 
I've been recognized as the bridge in my family. That's they say you're like a bridge. Yes, you know, the bridge. People. And at work, they consider me the glue. Uh, ah. that's, that's what they say. Um, I um, I always try and help people. Mm-hmm. And I was my next question was going to be when you want to help other people. Sometimes you become like a shield, or a witness, or a, or a target, or a scapegoat, <laughs> and you're just trying to help other situations. Guaranteed. So as you, you know, it's the energies are interesting, or how people have to deal with things. Everyone has their own issues that they have to work on, and um, they're not always ready to to face themselves or realize things or look in the mirror. But I was curious to know if you had any um, insight or anything you can share about when you want to help people. And they don't have it within themselves to to work on themselves or, or or be accountable and responsible for for their actions and their their characteristics and their personalities. Um, and you know they might be important individuals uh, at work or at home or in a community, and um, you want to help them. Is there anything you can share about you know how do you go about helping two individuals that will not see eye to eye or or find a middle ground or come to an understanding or at least Mm. just respect each other and um, be an example with their, you know, uh, proper etiquette. Mm. And see, in in that situation, it's got to be a desire of the individual that you're helping where they want some help. Some people do not want help. They just want to complain and and, and complain and be a bother just because. Other people, you have to work around. Every formula is going to be different. We're supposed to address situations with a degree of compassion. Try to put your, put their shoe or their moccasin on your foot. Try to picture yourself in their shoes. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes you look at people and it's like, I'd never do that. It's hard. But we try to find, you try to find some common ground with them. And you approach it from a common ground if you've established some type of rapport with that person. Hopefully you have some rapport because if you don't have any type of rapport with an individual, if it's just a cold contact or something, Sometimes the best thing you can do is to sympathize with whatever it is they're going through. And if they're asking you or if they're complaining about a situation, then they're kind of asking for some help. So you have to tread lightly on what you give them. Don't give them any more than they're asking for. If they're just asking or their behavior is asking for some understanding, simple words. I, I understand what you're saying. I probably have been there before, but try to address it in such a way that what they're going through is not totally foreign because in some shape or another, you've probably gone through that same experience in a different body. But try to approach them on the level of compassion. There are some people that have to run completely into a brick wall to get the effect of a brick wall before they have a change of heart you should be able to recognize that individual. And I think you are the type of person that would be able to see that, being that you have been designated as the bridge in the family or the go-between party in the family that 
connects and unites those that are in some type of conflict, conflict as well as at work. So it seems you already have an established pattern for the level of responsibility you can be taking in Krishna consciousness. You're like a, uh, what is the word besides healer? You're a, a negotiator. Um, you're someone that can handle a situation when the average person can't handle it. And that's a very strong, that's a very strong trait. And obviously you are doing something right for them to repeatedly come to you as a bridge. You are saying something or doing something and you don't realize it. But for you to be able to pull off that position of the person that we come to when there's a problem or we look to you when there's a problem, especially in the family, you're already doing something. You're doing something proper. The thing is, is to not take it personal. Whatever's going on, don't take it personal. Try to assist. Try to give back. Try to help because somewhere along the line in some previous life, someone has helped you tremendously. Otherwise, you could not do what you're doing. So is there a specific situation? Um, no. No, I'm asking in general. And, okay. And uh, it kind of might sound vague, but... No, no. No, it's just in, in different situations throughout life and seeing friends uh, struggle in their relationships, uh, whether it's within themselves or their companion or their family, their friends, mm -hmm. things keep happening. And as you get older and you experience more and you learn more or you, you educate yourself or you discover Krishna consciousness and you start reading the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam and associating with devotees, mm -hmm. you have a deeper understanding, um, you know, not just... Uh, you know, on the surface and the physical aspect of, of matter and within matters, but spiritually and, and internally. Um, I wanted to also, uh, I had gone to another program like about a month ago, I think, and they spoke, I'm, uh, I didn't hear, I don't remember where it was from, I think we we're reading from the Bhagavatam, mm -hmm. but they brought up, you know, certain pastime and they asked about with every, from what I could recall, if I remember correctly, they brought up that in every situation or experience, you could, uh, you could exploit it, you can serve it, or you could <laughs> renounce it. And I was curious to you know if you could share anything oh, on that. That's a pretty good uh, way to handle, a pretty good description on handling any situation, pretty much. It almost reminds me of you can either become the problem or the solution or you can totally disregard it altogether. It is, what it sounds like it's saying is that it's up to you as to how you handle particular situations that come across your path. It is totally up to you. It's like, understand that in this position in the material world, the way you're living your life, look at it as a producer or director of, the of a movie. How you want to live your life is how you direct it, how you handle it. How you interact with people is how you find most effective for you. How you respond to different situations. At some point, 
you're going to have a standard way that you approach situations. Some, you will find them worthy of communicating and trying to assist in a particular situation. Some, you may not be able to assist and they may just be totally blown out of proportion if you respond to it. And that, in turn, would be the situation that you have to walk away from until you're prepared for. Now, that was very vague. That was very vague. But there's some times where you can assist. There are other times when you can try to assist and give and let that person decide how they want to take that confrontation, relationship, communication, and there's some that we should not even involve ourselves in. That's what it sounds like. That's what sounds like uh, is being said. Is that what you got from it? What did you get from it? Me? Well, I saw it as an opportunity to, to learn, and I've been kind of meditating on it since I heard about it, and I thought it was a really good analyzation, if I may say. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just been thinking about... Uh, myself as an individual and and um, looking back at experiences or if something currently happens, how I can exercise and apply that and learn from that and um, work on myself. You know, I think if we all worked on ourselves first, you know, yes. um, before trying to, you know, um, perceive or judge others or point the finger or blame on others, that mm-hmm. we need to, you know, address ourselves first. <laughs> um but no, I just wanted some insight, general insight. I'm still looking into that, and, and I want to just uh, kind of research and study more. No, but learn. you said it. You did say it, to work on ourselves, to look at ourselves first. Because most of the time when we find there's a problem or situation, we're probably sharing that same problem or situation, and we probably have that. We can probably relate to it better because... We've been in that scenario. And usually when something comes across our path or some individual comes across our path, it is no accident. It is up to you as to how you handle it. And the best way to handle it is to at least eliminate as much negative confrontation as possible, but to handle it in a mood of understanding, to look at it as it having a tremendous effect on your life depending on how you handle it, which means that everything that we come across is not necessary for a confrontation. Some things are there for us to step back and learn from. Some things are there for us to participate in. For our benefit, some things are there for us to participate in for someone else's benefit. That's also vague. But that's my understanding of what you heard in uh, what you heard in that lecture uh, about a month or so ago. But it's very true. It, it really is very true. You either become a part of the solution, or you become a part of the problem, or you back away from it because it's not it's not yours. It's not yours to handle. Everything that comes across our path is not ours to handle. We may look at it and think we should have some input. Some things are not meant for us to step into. I can tell you from personal experiences, 
I'm always trying to be the uh, the person that rescues somebody else that's weaker than I am. And sometimes it's not best to do that because I'm taking away the ability of that person to become stronger. That's something I notice that may be totally different from what you're talking about. But let me know how that goes as you um, develop a deeper understanding of okay, Thank you. I have a I have a question. Yes. Not, this is another question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not my question. It's actually um, a younger devotee came and asked me a question. Or I didn't come to me. Actually, I went to him, <laughs> and I, ha- I had questions, and then he had a question. Okay. Um, he's a younger devotee. I think he's far more advanced than Avi Bezo. Mm-hmm. But he started to ask me about what was the difference between a good person and doing devotional service. And I started asking, well, what is a good person? Like, you know, define what a good person is. And then I was like, well, what's, what's devotional service? You know, divine, uh, define devotional service. Right. But I was really trying to get to what he was trying to ask. And um, I was wondering if you could share anything about that. Um, that was a good one. But that's what he asked me. And I wasn't quite sure what to say. We, no. started, we opened up the Bhagavad Gita and started reading. Nope, that was a good one. How, what do you describe as a good person? And what do, how do you describe devotional service? Because they may not even have a good understanding of it. You would just assume automatically when you start answering that you two are on the same uh, page. Not necessarily. Definitely. That's where communication is important. Get an understanding of what are we really talking about. Do I understand what you're saying or... When I'm not sure that I'm hearing someone or when I automatically think I hear what they're saying, I'll say, well, it sounds like this is what you're saying. Or it seems like I hear this is what you're saying. I always like to establish an understanding. And then when you understand the point from which they're coming, it's easier to answer. And it was best to to ask that question. How do you describe a good person? Because they may describe a good person totally different from you. And how do you understand devotional service to be? As much as we hear about devotional service and all the the different avenues of devotional service, and as much as we have read or heard about different personalities in the scriptures, We know enough to know when a good personality is being spoken about. We know it, but not necessarily the person that may be asking you that question. So the first thing and the foremost thing is to understand, establish an understanding. What are we really talking about? And you can go into two different directions on that. But that was a good one. That I would have answered the same thing. What what is a good person? And... What is devotional service to you? Because I guarantee that if you had 20 people in the room and you asked them that, you would probably get 20 different answers. You probably would. We're all different, and we all perceive things differently, but it's the essence of understanding that's important. So I wouldn't have changed a thing. I would have answered exactly the way you answered. You've got some pretty good questions, too. Got another one. <laughs> Go for it. Um, oh, um, I've noticed in, like, 
culture and social media, there's been a lot more focus on, uh, I think, what they call self-care or self-love. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been trying to, to learn how to do that more. Um, I think because of my gender, being a male, you're taught not to, uh, you know, be emotional or, you know, either, like, don't cry or, you're you know, be a man or... or the, there's some men in, I think, in older generations who, are, you know, don't know how to communicate or share things because, you know, you involve feelings and emotions or they don't know how to express themselves mm. or who they can go to or how that might reflect if they go to another man, per se. Um, I noticed that, like, the women, at least in my family and, and in my experience, I grew up with women and I was raised by women mainly. And, mm. and um, I just noticed the communication or having their sisters or, or their girlfriends, you know, it helps a lot with going through a lot of things and they talk, talk a lot learn a lot from hearing those conversations growing up. Um, but I was wondering, I like to help others, like I mentioned, um, but I like to give. But uh, it was when I started to look into self-love or self-care or doing things for myself, it was a little challenging. I, didn't, I felt like I didn't know how to be selfish. Um, it was easier for me to be selfless. Um, not that I think that about myself. I just am starting to realize these things. But I was just wondering about, you know, what you can share um, about, you know, taking care of yourself, loving yourself. And um, because a lot of times I think when people are um, addressing others with negative uh, thoughts or energy and they're complaining or pointing the finger, they're hurting or something that reflects within themselves and they don't realize that they're projecting something Mm. that says something about that individual. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me... I was just wondering, like, you know, how, uh, you know, what is uh, self-love or self-care, what you can share about that within Krishna consciousness or uh, in a community? Well, here's where I'm going to do what I just told you, you did. I'm going to ask you, what do you consider self-love or self-care? What is your definition of it? What if, how do you feel? How does that relate to you? How, How do you describe it? Either one, self-care, self-love. I'm trying to learn that. Um, Self-love, I guess it would be... Whatever Whatever your feeling is about it. Because think of yourself as the child of God. You are his child. And you need to understand that He loves you more than you could imagine. That if your life is not happy or if there is some obstacle in your pathway, he is not happy at all. And the self-love that we should be giving ourselves, and I'm not trying to put words into your mouth, but we should treat ourselves in such a way that we would know our father, a really good father, a really good parent would treat us. You take care of yourself first. That means health-wise, that means mind-wise, definitely spiritually-wise. Because if you don't take care of the foundation of that body, the soul, the very essence of the body, Everything else is going to be off track. 
You need to understand that it's important to take care of your health. Um, it's important to eat properly, to be in a helpful, positive, compassionate, loving mood, to be in a mood where you're not selfish, where you're not so selfish that you don't care about anyone but yourself, but that you love yourself enough and that you know that the Lord loves you enough that you can give of yourself and it actually multiplies the love that you have. It actually helps you to take care of yourself. And it elevates your self-care. Now that was a mouthful. The point I'm trying to make is that first and foremost, we have to take care of ourselves in such a way that we know it enables us to be a better person, a more spiritually conscious person, a person in a position to help someone else. If you can look at yourself and understand your weaknesses and your strengths, that would be an asset to you. That would be an asset to understanding what your weakness is, what you need to work on. But it goes back to what do you consider being self-love and self-care? Self-love means that you care. This is me. Self-love means that I already know I'm cared for. I already know I'm loved. Because that's a relationship I am still developing with Krishna. I already know. I already know I'm loved. So I already know that I'm loved enough that I can give it back to someone else and not worry about coming up shortchanged. That's also a very broad statement. But when you care for yourself, another way of caring for yourself is that you treat yourself in such a way that you should be respected. Maybe everybody won't do it, but you don't treat yourself as an inferior. You treat yourself as a child of God who should be respected, may not always get it, but who should be loved. You may not always be in that atmosphere, but try to find that atmosphere of where you're loved and respected, but not to the point where it messes with your ego. You have to be able to love yourself enough to be able to give it to someone else and not feel shortchanged. There's so many different ways to describe that one. Self-love and self-care. And as far as speaking about females and males, yes, it is historically a pattern where somewhere someone thought it being a very weak characteristic of a male to shed a tear. But it actually concerns me when I find any individual, regardless of their gender, that is unable to feel something strong enough to tear. It has absolutely no effect on masculinity or femininity. It has a lot to do with your strength and who you are. Because if you start to concern yourself with what others will think about you, you'll start to live somebody else's life and not your own. And I cannot speak for Krishna, but what is important about going through the scriptures is that you see different examples where men 
have tiered. You see examples where women are strength, strong characters. You see all this. What we're seeing in the material world is actually a, a complete opposite of what happens in the real spiritual world. Male, female, we should be able to tear and have an emotion. We're Krishna's children. He is perfect, but yet he can feel a loss when Radharani is out of his sight. He has emotions. Krishna is both male and female. That being said, male and female should be able to have emotions. What is important, and boy, this one may come back to bite me too. What is important is that in some areas, some groups, some cultures, there has to be a standard of strength. And ordinarily, the male takes that position. But taking that position does not mean that that male has no feelings or no sensitivity. I think it's ridiculous that when a male shows emotion that he is considered weak. I question that. You have to question his background. It may be something that's ingrained in the family. I have no idea, but it's not something that a devotee would agree to, saying, yeah, it's okay for men to, um, to not have feelings. No, it's not. There is so much that we can teach others. There are so many ways that we can be an example to each other. And we have to be compassionate enough, whether we're in a male body or whether we're in a female body. And we have to be strong enough so that whether we're male or female, we can take the position to be helpful in the situation. As females, as you were raised around them, of course, we're more emotional, we're more outgoing, we're more sensitive, we're more passionate because that's what we do. We also have the strength when necessary. How many women are raising families without the presence of a male? So it's not that we're weak, and it's not to say that men cannot have the, the compassion and softness, and it does not make them feminine. As a matter of fact, I think it makes a person, a male, stronger. This is me, when he's able to express those feelings. Did I answer anything for you? Yes, and even more. Thank you, thank you so much. I have one last uh, thing to, to um, question. Yes. Or ask, uh, um, you know, working on self-love and self-care and, and realizing what that may be and how I may do that, uh, loving myself and taking care of myself. Um, how do we, st what can you share about um, any insight on how we could um, start, you know, when we're working on ourselves um, and sometimes some individuals aren't, aren't ready to, to realize their, uh, you know, um, their, their position or their place in certain situations, how can we start looking at ourselves or for those who may not be ready or have been in denial or not or have been escaping or have created patterns and habits um, 
what is what is, is there anything you can share about how we start to look at ourselves in situations or we start to to look in the mirror and see um, our role or our part in different situations and just kind of you know start to to do that kind of work as an individual before we we go out and and perceive or misunderstand others or situations wow, that's a that's a really broad question because it it depends on what you're used to and what's been established for you to use as a guideline. Hmm. Give that to me again so I really understand it. I was just seeing if um, you could share anything about um, working on ourselves, like looking in the mirror and starting to see what work we need to do and approaching ourselves before we go and try to communicate with someone else or deal with a, a situation, whether it's family or work or community. And how could we start looking in the mirror and, and you know, okay. clean the dust off our heart? That's a really good one. And I can only respond in a way that I understand. And, uh, of course, there are other individuals in the uh, temple room. You're welcome to comment, but this is me thinking. Whenever we start a lecture, I always like to emphasize the Jaya Radha Madhava because that is the mood of Krishna. How love is expressed, how you are to understand that Krishna loves you as much as he loves Radharani, but in a different mood. But you need to come to the understanding that you are loved. That is particularly difficult if you have not been raised in that surrounding. It is very difficult. It's almost as if you have to act out a role until it actually manifests for you. You need to come to the understanding that you are highly thought of, you are cared for, whether you realize it or not, that you are most unique and you are most special. Now, you may have come into the world in a situation where you actually have to fight your way out of a situation that is a complete opposite of how you were raised. If you are fortunate enough, if that is your lesson in life, somewhere along the path of coming into the world and establishing who you are, somewhere in the process, the understanding of someone more powerful than you should come into your life. I'm trying to imagine how it actually came into the lives of people that I know. How did you come across God? What made you think about God? What did you understand? If they understood anything, it's that they are a child of God. And they should treat themselves and be treated in such a way that is favored by their father. It's difficult. It's very difficult to come to a basis of love if you have nothing to compare it with. And especially if you know what you need, but you don't have it around you. And I don't want to be so simplistic that I just say, pray, pray, pray. But 
Personally, whenever I had a situation that was challenging to the heart, and because when I uh, when I was growing up, I moved away from home early because I was an independent little soul. Uh, but somewhere along the line, I understood that there was someone more powerful than anyone in the world, and that th- there was a love exchange between us. And just with that tiny bit of understanding, I thought, well, if he's that powerful, maybe he can have an impact on my life. So I would pray. I would do something that people consider so simple, and it is very powerful. I would pray. I would actually find a room in um, wherever I was living, in, in the apartment. I would have a special place. And that would be my tear room. That would be where I would cry out to the Lord, I'm having this problem. I know you exist. There is something in me that tells me you exist. Please help me. I need your help. And I had to grow to the understanding that I didn't tell the Lord how to help me. I just said, please help me. You have to be careful when you're asking for something. You don't tell the Lord how to do it. Because he already knows how to do what he needs to do to help you. You just say, I cried, I prayed, please help me get through this. I cannot tell you how many times I had that special room to pray in, to cry in. And it was such a tremendous release. Even if I didn't get the response immediately, I got it eventually. It was at a point where... I had gotten over the situation and not even realized it because it happened so nicely. Krishna will take care. The Lord will take care of his own. He always will. But like a parent, if you know the child doesn't need anything, well, you don't really gravitate so much toward the child. I'm not saying you don't love the child, but you gravitate toward the one that is crying out that is crying out for whatever that need is, and you go to that child. Krishna's like that. When we pray, we're supposed to be able to cry out. There's something in the whole cleansing process of crying. We've forgotten how to cry. We've gotten so hardened with what's going on in the world, we have totally forgotten how to cry, how to break down all the barriers, how to drop the ego, how to not care about who saw us crying, because if they couldn't handle it, there's a problem with them anyway. How can you not understand when a person is crying that there are times when they're actually happy and there are times when they're hurting? You just have to know the difference. But when I was growing up, and most of my growing years when I was on my own, I cried and I prayed a lot. That was me. But the bottom line was, I prayed. It wasn't a fancy prayer. It was a personal, between you and me, God. It wasn't anything that was written in the uh, the scriptures. It was just a very honest conversation. And that's what the Lord likes. He likes to be treated and understand not an ordinary person, but he likes to be treated like a person, a personality. Um, Naturally. Honestly, we shouldn't put on airs when we're talking uh, uh, to the Lord. 
Talk to him naturally. He knows you better than you know yourself. I would say to get through obstacles, if you have not developed a really sincere interest in Krishna consciousness, if you understand that there is a Lord, that there is a power greater than you are, if you understand that everything that you've done has not worked, and you understand how powerful this God is, my response would be to pray to him. That is such a simple statement, but it is powerful. That is how I got to this point. People didn't understand it. I didn't explain it to everybody, but I had already established a communication with the Lord. And in every step of the way, what is it, padam pada? Every step, even when I'm not asking, he already knows my heart. But I pray. To this day, I pray. Um, particular issues that we all have that we don't ordinarily see in each other. Um, mine is a constant chronic issue. There is no way that I could do the things that I do without the help of the Lord and without the prayers that I have with him. There is no way possible. So I know that prayers work. Even as we chant, chanting is effective, prayers are effective. It depends on which one you're more comfortable with. I guess we could say that also. Because we can be comfortable with prayers for a while and then we'll understand, well, the Maha Mantra is the ultimate prayer. But don't lose track of your relationship. You have a relationship where you can pray to the Lord and you can chant. Whichever one works for you. That's what I would tell you. Did that answer anything for you? Yes, thank you. And you. I like your questions. Uh, please come more often whenever you're able. Uh, because I understand it, everyone has so many things to do. It is a very special presence that we all bring to the temple when we come. It is a very special presence. So thank you for being there this morning. Thank you for being here. It's Nikki. Nico. Yeah. Nico. Nico. Of course, Nico. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Gaur Pramananda.